We are winding our way towards BYU fall camp. Where do things stand for BYU in a dead period with recruiting? We're talking about that and also talking BYU specialists with Ryan Rico. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And a big thank you to all of you for checking us out. All right. I said it on social media last night, had some equipment failures in my home studio, still working through those. So I'm coming to you guys remotely. And uh, for the time being, going to be working kind of in this format so may not be the perfect audio quality perfect picture quality but hey we're doing our best and making do and like i said we'll be back up and running in my home studio soon enough but a big thank you to all of you for your support of this venture as always let's dive right in on today's show and talk some byu recruiting now July, frankly, it's a slow month for recruiting. That's just there's no if and or but about it because it's a dead period. Coaches are not allowed necessarily to go out and talk as often uh, with players and coaches. They're not able to make visits. They're not able to do the things that you typically are used to seeing them do throughout the most of the year, especially when it comes to the open periods when they can go visit players at their various high schools, take official visits, unofficial visits, all all the like. July is a de- is a dead period. A lot of coaches go on vacation. That's the thing about this. Kalani Satake, I uh, had a conversation with some people, and most of the coaches, including Kalani, have been spending most of the month on various vacations, hanging out with their kids, taking them to Disneyland or doing whatever they have planned for before the craziness that is the college football season gets going. And BYU will report on July 31st and the first practice will be August 1st. So it's not far off, folks, but recruiting still, there are some tidbits out there. Uh, Ben Criddle lifted the lid on one important one yesterday on social media saying that Noah Lugo, the quarterback from the Fort Worth area down there in Texas, he is going to make an unofficial visit to BYU coming up on July 29th. That's when the uh, window opens back up for guys to make visits. Of course, many of you might recall he goes to Eaton High School down there in Hazlitt, Texas, just outside of Fort Worth. Six foot, one and a half, 180 pounds, a three-star prospect who has been committed pretty heavily to UTSA of late. I think he committed just over a month ago to the Roadrunners, and obviously uh, BYU will have to obviously win him over if he is the guy they ultimately opt to take in the 2024 recruiting class. Now, inevitably, that's going to lead to the question. You're thinking to yourself, Jake, well, what's the status with Maya Luiaki Smith? Still in the holding pattern. Frankly, I, I think BYU is still very intent. If, if Maya Luiaki Smith decides that he wants to be a BYU Cougar, BYU will take him. He's got the size, the ability, the, the, the very polished arm playing at Sarah High School there in the Bay Area of Northern California of, of a guy that BYU absolutely would love to have in the recruiting class, but they can't wait forever. And that's why they're evaluating other quarterbacks, including Noah Lugo. Now, Lugo, as I mentioned, a UTSA commit, you're going to have to bring him on campus and obviously win him over because uh, UTSA has the simple fact of the matter that they're in his proverbial backyard, just down the road, figuratively, from Fort Worth in San Antonio. I think that'd be like a two and a half, three hour drive. So think of it essentially as a guy from Orem or Provo, uh, where they grew up potentially in Utah Valley, going to 
St. George or the like, where it's just, it's a relatively simple drive to go home. Whereas if a guy like Noah Lugo were to leave Fort Worth and come to Utah, that's a plane plane ride. That, so there's, there's a difference there, but BYU, I, I can tell you, they are very interested in Noah Lugo and his skill set. This is not just an offer. They threw out willy nilly. They don't go off for guys who are already committed to other schools. If they don't believe in this guy's potential, speaking of Noah Lugo and his potential to be a BYU quarterback and contribute to the football program. Aaron Roderick has said it once. I'll say it again. He will always take a quarterback in every recruiting class. Does that mean it has to be a high school guy? No, because BYU could go very well, go right back to the transfer portal in the 2024 class and grab a guy, whoever it might be from around the country that enters the transfer portal coming up. I I don't necessarily think that's the prudent route for BYU to take my personal opinion on that, but that's something that they could also do. If things don't work out, for example, with Maya Luiaki Smith or with Noah Lugo, he decides UTSA is where he wants to be. Well, then you kind of go back to the drawing board, but BYU still has some scholarships to work with. And I actually had a question thrown at me and I apologize. I'm like, I said, I'm working remotely a little bit and I don't necessarily have my entire setup. So the question was sent to me via email saying, Jake, I'm seeing a bunch of players enter the portal of late. What, what's the situation? Uh, in, I thought guys couldn't go into the portal. Now, you can go into the portal if you're a graduate transfer at any point. doesn't matter when. If you are going to be graduating in an, in an upcoming semester from the institution you're currently attending, you can go into the transfer portal at any point. Now, the other one is Northwestern. That's an interesting situation in and of itself. Now, many of you might recall Pat Fitzgerald recently got fired as head coach of the Northwestern Wild. Wildcats. Well, under the new rules with the transfer portal, every player on the Northwestern roster can enter the transfer portal if they so desire within the next 30 days of whenever that firing officially took place. So we're like a week, I think, past it. So uh, the clock is ticking. If guys do want to leave, they have that option to do it without losing eligibility. Now, after those 30 days, they would be locked in with Northwestern and their interim head coach until the end of the season when the portal uh, window opens back up at the end of the college football season. But they do have this 30-day window to find out what uh, they're looking for. Now, I don't have any intel on regard in regards to if BYU is looking at any of those guys. I do know that BYU is still continuing to evaluate all options when it comes to their roster for the upcoming season. Is it getting pretty late in the process? Yes, it absolutely is. Because I think any guy that were to enroll at BYU right now, they probably wouldn't be added to the roster until the end of training camp. Just I think that's how an enrollment works with how BYU would handle it. But nonetheless, they are continuing to evaluate all their options on the recruiting front. But uh, you can rest assured that BYU still doing some work out there. I think the Noah Lugo thing is a very interesting uh, kind of situation in and of itself because of the fact that BYU is still kind of waiting on Maya Luiaki Smith to announce what he is going to do with the BYU football program. But as so long as he continues to kind of string BYU along, and for that matter, Oklahoma State and the other schools that he's been interested in, well, those other schools are going to continue to evaluate their options. It's a two-way street. This is not where you hold a school hostage, so to say. And they're like, oh, well, we're good to wait. No, BYU is doing their due diligence, looking at other quarterbacks. And that's why Noah Lugo uh, is going to make that visit to BYU coming up at the end of the month. I think it's a pretty savvy uh, offer for BYU to make. Obviously, BYU, where they may not have the proximity a card to play. They have the power five card. Now UTSA is an ascendant football program. I think UTSA in the next round of conference realignment could find themselves potentially on the power five uh, level. If everything goes the way I'm sure that they hope it would go. But for now, 
BYU can say, hey, we play in the Big 12. We're going to be playing in your proverbial backyard annually, playing as many Texas teams as we do. Why don't you come play for us and play at the Power 5 level? That's the card BYU has to play with Noah Lugo. Will it, uh, will it work out? That, that's a great question. I don't have an answer to because if I did, I'd trust me, I'd probably be making more money and actually, you know, uh, working in an athletic department as a recruiting guru. But nonetheless, uh, crazy times all the way around when it comes to balancing these vacations, continuing to uh, keep in touch with the prospects you're interested in as a college coach. It's 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 a nonstop job. But even during the dead periods. It, you continue to have recruiting news trickle out even when it comes to BYU. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to flip gears. We've been doing this all week long, looking at each position group on BYU football's roster. We're going to talk about the specialists uh, coming up next. Had a great chat with Ryan Rico, BYU punter down at Big 12 Media Days. He talks a lot about what he's looking to do this upcoming season, which could potentially be his last in a BYU uniform. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the kicking situation and also a little bit about the returners and long snappers. We'll get to all that as we continue on, right? Right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, first, a word on our friends over at LinkedIn. They've been working with us for quite a while. My friends, and LinkedIn is back with us. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for everybody in your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you guys need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find people that are the right people for your team faster, and the best part is for free. You heard that right. So all you got to do is go to the LinkedIn job, set up that job profile that you're, what you're looking for, then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the right candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and ultimately would like to hire. And it's why small businesses with everything that LinkedIn jobs is offering, that's why they rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality of hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs will help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to too faster once again post your job for free right now at linkedinjobs.com slash locked on college you heard the right that's linkedin job excuse me linkedin.com slash locked on college apologize i screwed that up linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply Thank you once again for making Lockdown Cougars your first listener today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Coming up on tomorrow's show, the hope is that we will be back up and running in my home studio. Uh, even if I have to Jimmy rig it, uh, we will duct tape and bubble gum it together to make sure that we are up and running. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about BYU's linebackers. I had plans to do that today, but uh, due to some of the constraints and some of the access of stuff I needed to get, we'll talk linebackers on tomorrow's show. and We'll get you up to date uh, with Ben Bywater also talking about the linebacker position, so stay tuned for that. It'll also be a mailbag Friday, so if you've got questions uh, for the mailbag, please submit them now. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. Reach out via social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. Drop us a note there, or reach out to me on uh, Twitter myself, Jacob C. Hatch, or on Threads, by the way. I'm now on Threads as well with Instagram, Jacob C. Hatch there as well. Love nothing more than for you guys to have your input on our Friday edition of the podcast. All right, time now to talk a little bit about BYU specialist positions. Now, these are not the sexy positions. We get that, but they are a critical component to success in football. And I think that there is one uh, particular thing that I am just completely wary of. Maybe I shouldn't be as wary as I am, but it's BYU's kicking position. Now, in spring ball, uh, they had three kickers in camp. They brought in Matthias Dunn as a preferred walk-on from Wasatch High School. Justin Smith was a holdover from last year. And then they brought in a transfer in well. <laughs> Will, Will Farron, excuse me, I want to say Walt for some reason, but it, Will Farron coming into the BYU football program. And I think all three of them had their moments in spring ball. I will say that, but they were too far and few between to make me 
think that there's uh, much to really count on when it comes to the kicking position. Now, the coaching staff around BYU has to make their decision on where things stand, and that's going to be Kelly Papinga's job as a special teams coordinator to make sure that the kicking position is in the best spot it possibly can be. He must have faith and see, has seen something to think that these three kickers, along with Jared Capisi, who is going to be walking on with the BYU football program, a kicker, I uh, remember it was he, his older brother uh, played for BYU East. KPC uh, back a while a while back as a defensive back. He's a kicker out of out of Hawaii who will be walking on at BYU. But the fact he's not on the roster right now indicates to me he will not be joining the program probably until the early stages of fall camp, if not the start of the school year. But TBD on that. I think that the three kickers that are currently in BYU's roster right now, that one of them is going to be your guy this year. Now. The thing I want to see with BYU's kickers in fall camp is I want to see them establish one guy, whether it's Matthias Dunn, whether it's Justin Smith, or well, whether it's Will Farron, make them the guy, I'd say a week, maybe two at the most, into training camp and put all of your trust and all of the reps that you possibly can muster into those guys. That does not mean that you're going to be stuck with them for the entire year because there comes a point, obviously, if they were failing in-game, you'd make a decision on other guys. And the other guys can work off to the side and get their kicks in and keep their keep themselves in shape and the like, but you have to settle on one of these guys. My money, personally, with my amateur eye, is I would put it on Matthias Dunn. I think he had the most consistent spring, but like I said, consistency is a is a kind of a buzzword when it come, came to the kicker position last year this past spring so we'll see what happens there the nice part is you do have very steady a very steady uh kicker i should, what I should say a punter i should say in Ryan Rico. Now, Rico, uh, according to what Jay Drew wrote in the Deseret News, could have left as recently as this past offseason. There was some thought that he may uh, chase his fortunes in the NFL, but he came back for another year and really wants to show what he's capable of with the BYU football program. And I had a great chat with him down at Big 12 Media Days, and we'll let you hear a little bit more about what he thinks uh, of BYU specialist positions, what he wants to accomplish still in a BYU uniform. So without further ado, here you go, Ryan Rico on BYU's punting situation and where he stands personally. When and the names came out who was going to attend Big 12 Media Day. You're the only specialist yeah. in the entire <laughs> conference that made the trip down here. How does that feel? Yeah, it was definitely... Brett gave me a call while I was down on a, on a trip working with a coach, and I was like, you sure you want me to go to Media Day? It's like, there's literally nobody other... No other special teams guys here. So seeing that, it's definitely an honor. You feel a little bit, like, a little out of place. Like, I feel like I fit in physically, but... My position is a lot different than all these guys, but it's, it's an honor to be here for sure. Physically, you do fit in because you look like a defensive yeah. end. Let's be yeah. real. Yeah, no. So luckily, I'm, I'm keeping up on the weights and everything, so I can do that. But inside, it's like, no, nah, I'm a punter at heart. That's that's good with me. Did, did When you got that call, did you have any, do you have any relationship with the other specialists in this conference at all? Did they hey, hit you up and say, hey, thanks for representing us? No, no nobody did. I, I mean, coming into a new conference, I'm hoping to get to know a lot of the guys yeah. and I mean, I know of them. I just don't have that relationship yet. But you play, you talk before and after the games, and it's going to be a fun year. Now, obviously, new level of football, obviously, a whole new yeah. conference for BYU. How, what's your excitement level about all this? Though? Yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited. I mean, we've played some great teams in the past, but for it to be week in, week out, we're going up against the best of the best, I think it's going to make us up our level of play, and it's just going to be a big stage to, to prove, our, prove our skill on. Now, we're talking here at Media Days. Does it feel, like, real that, hey, you're here and it's coming? Yeah. It, it's hard not to feel that. Like, we walk into the stadium and you're just like, they went all out for this. Like, this is this is a whole new level. We used to have our own Media Day, and, like, I thought that was sweet. But you come in here and it's like, okay, like, 
we're, we've arrived a little bit and now it's like, okay, where do we go from here and how do we keep going? In terms of you guys operating as a program, as a big 12 program, has it changed much, if anything? Oh, honestly, it like, I don't know if facilities wise or anything like that, it's like been a huge difference, but personnel wise, I think it's been the biggest, it's been a noticeable difference since the end of last year, um, especially all through the off season and even in spring ball, it feels like, okay, like we're ready. We got to really dial things in, tighten things down. And yeah, I think everybody's just ready to, to get the season going. Now you're about 50 days away. Uh, what do you need to work on the most in the lead up to the season in your opinion? Oh, for myself personally, I think it's just, man, there's always a lot of things that you can do. I would say just making sure my body's fully healthy, ready to go. And I mean, as a punter, as a specialist, like the mindset's a little different. It's not like, oh man, I got to go out there and like kill somebody. It's just, let me stay calm. Let me stay just do what I know I can do and, and do it the best that I can. Now, as a punter, are there like certain, I guess, specific workouts, benchmarks you have yeah. to meet? Yeah. There's, I don't know if it's like you need to hit this number on a squat or anything yeah. like that. We do, we do a lot of the same workouts as the rest of the team and everything like that. But um, this year has been different too, just with this new strength staff. They've been able to kind of tailor it a little more to the specialists. And so I, I've noticed a difference in myself already. And I think that's been a really, really positive change. Now, obviously, Jake is done kicking at BYU. Yep. There's some new kickers in the mix here. Yeah. Give me your assessment of the three guys contending for that job. Man, I think genuinely any one of those guys could come out and win the job. Okay. And uh, that, I think, I mean, I get that question a lot. Even like, whether it's in media days or, or off the field, yeah. like, who's going to be the kicker? And genuinely, like, the skill level of all those guys, they could 100% do it. It's just who comes out ready to perform and win the job. Now, when you guys leave here, what is the plan the rest of the month until elite training camp? Yeah, so we, um, the next two weeks, we still got our lifts and everything. We're staying in shape, getting that conditioning in. And then, I mean, for myself personally, it's just, let's start getting my body ready for fall camp. Start kicking a little bit more so I'm not just, legs are dead. The first day of fall camp, that first week, you're like, oh man, I wasn't ready. Um, but yeah, just physically, and I mean, mentally, enjoy the summer, the last bit of, last bit of summer that we have. Um, and then things get crazy, but like, you wouldn't trade it for anything else. How many kicks will you make in a day like, as a punter at oh. practice? <laughs> Depends on the day. I usually tell myself I want to limit it to like 35, 45 reps. But there's some days where it's like, I got to get this. I got to get this figured out. And you might kick like 70, 80 balls. You try not to do those too much just because it's a, little, it's a lot of wear and tear, but it definitely happens once in a while. There you go, Ryan Rico, BYU punter with myself at Big 12 Media Days. Apologies for kind of the weird audio on that. I tried to take the echo out of it. We were in a very cavernous room, kind of what I'm recording in. Not, not, well, the one I'm recording in is actually much better than the one that we were recording that in. I did my best to edit it, so if it sounded a little bit wonky, I apologize, but uh, great stuff all the same, and I think that Ryan's in place for a big season. I actually picked him as a preseason punter. I, I think that he has the capability of going out there and having a monster year for BYU. And obviously, when you have the punter on the field all the time, that means your offense typically is in a pretty tough spot. But I think that Ryan's got a good perspective on all things. And obviously, he's got confidence that things are going to go well this year for BYU. He, he, 
hope hope springs eternal obviously at, at media days but a big thank you to him for taking the time to join us here on the podcast now his younger brother landon rico is in the is in the program right now as well landon is a kicker slash punter on the roster i think he's probably a year away from contributing very easily uh could be the one rico hands the punting position to the other uh, beginning as soon as next year in 2024 now ryan could come back for another year if he wants to uh but it sounds like he is kind of looking at uh just year by year kind of evaluating his options and if he has a big year this year kicking it and really feels like it's his time to go out and chase his professional fortunes so be it he, he's a big body landon's not near the size of his brother ryan's listed at six foot five 230 pounds landon's listed at six foot 180 so a little bit different in body size but at the same time i think both of them very capable of contributing. Now, also on the specialist side of things, you've got the the uh, the Riggs brothers who will be holding on to the long snapper position. I, I think that they are in very good hands. Use the pun there, insert pun a joke there. But the the Riggs brothers are very very capable long snappers. I'm actually not concerned at all with the long snapping position for BYU right now. I think they're going to be very capable there. Now, a returner, I think there's going to be some interesting uh, debates here because obviously Hobbs Nyberg, I thought was very very solid in, at at punt returner last year, and I, I've been a guy who thought early on in his uh, run as BYU's punt returner that Hobbs needed to be replaced by somebody else, but he's impressed me over the past year, and I would assume going into training camp that Hobbs will be your lead guy at punt returner. Now, with regards to kick return, I think it's going to be a different philosophy here because Kelly Papinga approaches kickoff return different than Ed Lamb did uh, under at BYU, and I think that you'll be looking at guys potentially like a Parker Kingston and some of these other more speedy guys that can uh, return kicks. Uh, Miles Davis could be in the mix. Guys who have got a really elite straight line speed could be more heavily utilized in BYU's new special teams alignment. I and that's just that's me kind of speculating on that and having had uh, just some very minimal conversations on it. But I think that you're going to see the the kickoff uh, kickoff the kick return strategy for BYU very different this year. Now the rules in college football continue to adjust, and they want nothing more than to see more touchbacks. That's just kind of the way they've kind of built things out with regards to the rules on special teams. But uh, the Going back to kind of the first thing I talked about, I have got a lot. I've got one major question. A major hole for me is that kicking position. And there's major pressure on these guys. Trust me, kickers, they can lose you the game. They can win you the game. Whereas other guys in the specialist positions, their mistakes may not necessarily be as glaring. Now, could a long snapper screw up a, a snap that could end up with a kick that gets just botched and you lose the game? Yes, that can happen. Could a punter just shank a punt off of his foot and the very next play a team scores a touchdown yeah that happens but kickers have an inordinate amount of pressure on them because of their ability to score points and single-handedly footedly whatever i'm we're going puns today why don't i have some some fun with the puns here but a single-handedly or single-footedly could you win you or lose you a football game so i Call me a critic, call me a skeptic, call me what you will, but I just think that the kicking position for BYU is one gigantic question mark right now, whereas the rest of the special teams unit for BYU I think is actually, frankly, quite solid. It, it, like, look at everything else, punter, long snapper, return men. Uh, the I think everything lines up, but there is just that one glaring issue at kicker, and I hope it doesn't come back to buy BYU in the rear end this year. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll finish out today's show looking back at another game in BYU football history. Obviously, we've been going back through the 2020 season, and that's one of the things about this is we look at what's going on uh, with each one of these games. And this was a wild game we're going to talk about next. BYU made a trip to Houston. Some of you may have made the trip because it was the first game in the 2020 season that BYU fans were actually able to sit in, I guess, mass. It was relative in terms of the actual number of bodies in the stands, but fans were actually able to attend this game. We'll talk about that coming up right here on Locked on Cougars. 
Thank you once again for making Lockdown Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Uh, just a reminder for you, if you still want to enter to win that signed Jaron Hall football or some other BYU swag, we are doing a giveaway. The way to enter is to make sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Cougars on Facebook. Uh, not Facebook, excuse me, no, subscribe to the show on wherever, uh, whichever podcast providers you happen to listen on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, the litany of other podcast providers that we are on. We're on available everywhere and also available on YouTube. Please subscribe on YouTube, even if you plan on listening to the podcast elsewhere just help us out with the the algorithms out there and help us build this audience so if you guys send us a screenshot of you being subscribed on the on youtube as well as wherever else you're subscribed to locked on byu at gmail.com you'll be entered to win the grand prize is a jaron hall signed football i've got other byu swag i'll be handing out as well so we'll have multiple winners but the grand prize will be that signed jaron hall football and we'll do that probably i'm thinking july 31 don't hold me to that but i'm thinking we're going to do that giveaway right as byu kicks off fall camp but uh i've got to get some things in order on that front over the next week or so so we may push it back just a touch but we will get that giveaway done here relatively quickly and so if you want to get entered to win, once again, locked on BYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right. As we finish out today's show, looking back at another crazy game in BYU's 2020 season. Now, BYU came into this game going to Houston, who was one and one, excuse me, one and oh on the season. BYU had, funny enough, had played four games already in their season when they faced off. BYU ranked 14th in the country in this game. And this game just started auspiciously, just put it that way. Fantastic first uh, first play for BYU offensively. They got the ball back after uh, Houston had gotten a field goal to start the game. One play later, Dax Milne, 78 yards right up the sideline. Zach Wilson just rips a ball to him, and he takes off and just scores a touchdown. I was like, wow. That was pretty, and I think they kind of set this the groundwork for a crazy game. Now, this game ended up with a Houston leading at halftime, twenty to fourteen. After BYU piled up two touchdowns in the first corner, Lopini Katoa uh, plunged in to make it fourteen three after after one. But then Houston came roaring back in the second quarter. Maybe any of you might recall this, scoring seventeen points, leading twenty to fourteen at halftime. And I'm not going to lie, I was doing pre and post game show. I was actually at what uh, remote location when we were doing this uh, down in Lehigh. I remember thinking at halftime, okay, this is tipping a little bit for BYU. They got to figure something out here. Now, Clayton Toon had a pretty good game, ended up uh, 21 to 31 for 310 yards and two touchdowns. But in the second half of this game, to BYU's credit, their defense really uh, did their did their part in this game. They held Houston to just six second half points, really locking things down. This was, in my opinion, George Udo was the star of this game. It was George Udo, in my opinion, his finest game in a BYU uniform, coming on blitzes off the edge, getting sacks. BYU's getting some pressure on Clayton Toon. It was it was a very very impressive defensive adjustment at halftime for BYU in this game. And uh, let's be honest, there haven't been a lot of those you could say about the Elisa Tuiaki run of BYU. But they made adjustments in this game, and then BYU came alive in the second half. Seven points in the third quarter. Uh, they, they obviously were battling, but the fourth quarter, BYU just really started roaring. Dax Milne ended up catching two more touchdown passes in this game. Finished with nine receptions, 184 yards, and three touchdowns. Zach Wilson had 400 yards on the head passing and four touchdowns. Just an impressive display from BYU's offense. And I remember after this game in particular, if I recall correctly, and it might have been the game after this, but right in this period, I remember starting to see the, the pre-draft process, Mel Kuyper and the like. You guys know what I'm talking about. These guys who write about the draft for a living for sports media publications started writing, hey, Zach Wilson, he's got some first-round buzz. And I was like, what? And I remember, many of you might recall, I talked about earlier this week when we talked about BYU quarterbacks. 
how I had had a conversation with somebody early on in this 2020 season who said, Hey, Zach's got some NFL draft buzz. He could leave after the season. I was like, Hey, great. That's awesome for him. If he, if he lives up to the hype. But when I saw the, the term Zach Wilson and first round uh, pick, I was like, well, what's going on here? But we all know how it ultimately panned out. And it was a big season for Zach, obviously capitalized on it. But this was one of those games, I think, that made NFL scouts absolutely drool because the, the way that he played in this game got down, obviously, but did not panic. Ended up 25 of 35, 400 yards, 11.4 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, just in a, a truly impressive display, especially considering BYU struggled to run the football in this game. It was one of the rare games in the 2020 season. BYU did not run the football well. They ended up 78 yards on 24 carries. Tyler Algier had a touchdown as well as Lopini Katoa, but Zach Wilson was actually BYU's leading rusher with nine carries and 40 yards. He had a long, a 32 in this game, but he was just absolutely in full control, showing everything that you wanted to see from a quarterback of his caliber in this game. And this was one of those games, I think the NFL scouts said, okay, Houston's not a, a, a team that we're going to kind of cast aside. No, no team is, but Houston was by far the best opponent BYU had played to date in that season. And I think NFL scouts kind of sat up and were like, hey, we got to look a little deeper into the Zach Wilson kid. And obviously we all know how it shook out over the succeeding uh, few months, or actually five or six months. But nonetheless, crazy, crazy times. Got BYU to 5-0 and on the season. And I remember after this game against Houston, the way BYU came roaring back to take control of this game, a true team effort in the win, it felt like, okay, what is BYU truth, truly capable of this year? Could they make a run to the New Year's Six? It was a crazy year in 2020. We all know that. But we'll talk about how things continue to unfold as we continue on uh, with the podcast tomorrow and on into next week. And a big thank you once again to all of you for bearing with some of the technical difficulties on the podcast. Nonetheless, uh, we persevere and we continue on and hope you guys are all doing well on this Thursday. So a reminder, uh, tomorrow on the show, we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with BYU's linebackers. Have a conversation with Ben Bywater. Big thank you to Ryan Rico for uh, taking some time to join us on today's show. Obviously, we did that at Big 12 Media Days last week. And of course, plenty more coverage coming up on tomorrow's podcast. So a big thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. And until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.